This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I hope you've been enjoying and have been helped by uh, Pilgrim's Progress. We have been taking a deeper look and just reading than just reading the story. I've entitled this series "Measuring the Pilgrim's Progress." What was Bunyan really saying? And again, we're reminded over and over that uh, his grasp of the scriptures uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, and we're going to see that again, I believe, tonight as we look at. Uh, faithful, Adam the first, and the law. All right, as Christian continues his journey, uh, all of these characters uh, he uh, comes into contact with. So in his story about the Christian pilgrim, the main character has passed through the valley of the shadow of death where he ascends a hill and sees in the distance his former companion, a man named Faithful. Now, this man was also from the city of destruction. Uh, As you read the story, you find out that Christian got away first. He's still pilgrim. He's still called pilgrim. He gets away first. Uh, Faithful will uh, leave a little bit later. Both of these men come to the cross. They're burdens. They're delivered from their burdens. Now they're on the narrow way. Somehow, Faithful has gotten out in front of Christian. And some of that is simply that Christian has run into more, uh, more trouble uh, than uh, Faithful. But Faithful tonight is going to talk about some of the trouble that he has run into. And this is instructive for us because you and I are going to face the same challenges. Faithful recounts that life what life was like in the city after Pilgrim left it. And so there's some discussion between these two. Uh, Pilgrim got out, faithful before he was converted. He's still left back there. Uh, and, he's, and they're talking about, well, what, what was happening while you were still there? Christian is asking faithful. Faithful says there was much talk of coming destruction, but no one really seemed to believe it would happen. Now, let me just pause here for, for a moment and mention that it's curious to me that many in our world talk about the end of the world and coming judgment. I'm just curious tonight how many of you have actually heard coworkers or others that maybe aren't even professing, professing Christians, but they'll talk about the end. How many of you have heard that? All right, several hands, and that, that has always intrigued me. They don't necessarily believe... Uh, and, and my God, they don't necessarily believe the Bible, but they talk about the end of time, the apocalypse. And what is also interesting to me is they'll make movies about it and call them the apocalypse or, or whatever, okay? Um, many of us can remember back to the Left Behind series. How many of you remember those books and those movies? Oh, People were watching that stuff. They were reading that stuff. I knew people that, that they didn't seem to have any spiritual interest, but they had read all those books. I think down deep it's because they know things cannot continue as they are. There is a sense 
from God that we deserve judgment and the end is coming. And so, even in the city of destruction, they were having these conversations, but no one was ready to leave. It reminds me of the days of Noah. There's this big ark, and here's a man that's been building it for 120 years with his boys. And by the way, he preaches regularly about what's coming. Is anybody ready to get on the ark? No. And so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But soon their conversation changed to more immediate concerns. Christian shared his experience and talked of those who had, he had encountered along the narrow way. Faithful then talked about a woman that he met whose name was Wanton. W-A-N-T-O-N. Now that's an old English word. We don't use it much. We don't hear about it much. But this woman would have done faithful much harm had he not escaped her net. Christian also heard of her and responded, Well, it was well you escaped her net. Joseph would have been entrapped by it and escaped, but it almost cost him his life. Now, which Joseph is Christian referring to? By the way, wanton means, again, someone who is immoral, has no sexual boundaries, is willing to go against what God has said, uh, someone who's a fornicator and adulterer. All right? So when Christian talks about Joseph, who is Joseph? Help me. Okay, Joseph in Egypt. Very good. He gets sold into slavery, 17-year-old boy. He's away from home, and he ends up a servant in a very well-known family in the country. Uh, dad is in charge, or the husband is in charge of the royal guard, and he probably could have his pick of any woman in the land. So don't think for a moment that uh, Potiphar's wife was not attractive. It was the perfect temptation for a young man. And his flesh is just like your flesh and mine. And so Christian refers to this. You can go to Genesis 39, 11 to 13. We're not going to read it tonight for sake of time. But you know what happened there. The temptation continued and continued and continued. She grabs him one day when it's just the two of them in the house. And Joseph runs out of his outer coat, and he gets away from there. Now, did she care about him? Was she trying to help him? It was all about her wicked desires. And so when he's out of the house, she comes up with his story. She accuses him. She lies about him. And with what she was doing could have easily been his death except that God had plans for Joseph. And by the way, God protected Joseph because he chose God's righteousness over this woman's foolishness and his own flesh. And so faithful response to Christian, you cannot imagine what a flattering tongue she had. She grabbed my hand to turn, aside, turn me aside with her, promising all matter of pleasure and content. 
Now, I do want to ask you to take your Bibles tonight. Would you go to Proverbs chapter 7? Proverbs chapter 7. Now, I keep coming back to the fact that Bunyan was saved later in life. He had been a soldier in Cromwell's army. Uh, if you want to grow spiritually, joining an army isn't necessarily the way it's going to happen. We can only imagine what those days were like. Okay, Bunyan understood the trap. And so in this conversation between Christian and faithful, he begins to share some things that are especially helpful and a warning for men. And what he says here actually takes your mind back to Proverbs chapter 7 and the danger of this woman called wanton. By the way, moms, grandmoms, train your girls to be modest and careful and never to use their charm to get what they want. Proverbs warns about the strange woman. And moms, grandmoms, you help your boys, and dads, you help your boys to make sure that they have pure minds, pure hearts, and they don't ever set their eyes on anything that would lead them into this net, this trap. And Solomon writes in chapter 7 of Proverbs, for at the window, verse 6, of my house, I looked through the, my casement, the lattice there, and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths. I'm discerning, but this youth is not. <laughs> A young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner. Who is she? This wicked, wanton woman. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. He thinks no one's watching. She hopes no one's watching. The reality is the king is. Solomon sees this. But that's not even as important as the king of heaven watching everything we look on and that we do. Verse 10, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, subtle of heart, deviant is the idea, wicked. She's loud and stubborn. She's a rebel. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth and waited every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, now here are the words. This is what Faithful talked about, what she said. Oh, it, it wanted to draw you in. I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligent to seek thee, and I have found thee. And you know what verse 15 is? She's trying to express, and I care. No, she doesn't. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. She's referring to her husband. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much, what kind of speech? 
Fair speech, she caused him to yield. With a flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway. Is this going to be fun? Maybe for a season, but here's the reality. As an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare. There's that reference to the net. And knoweth not that it is for his what? It's going to destroy him. So again, this wanton woman, sexually unrestrained, leads this young man to his destruction. It would have been Joseph's plight, except that he was faithful. He was a faithful man. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Christian says, yet she did not promise you the peace of a good conscience, did she? Thank God you escaped her. Faithful says, I know not whether I escaped her or not. Christian says, well, what, what do you mean? Uh, you did not consent to her, said Christian, no, I did not defile myself, said Faithful, but I remembered the wise man's words. Her steps take hold of hell. Again, Bunyan here is quoting Proverbs 5.5. 5. So he says this, So I shut my eyes because I would not be bewitched with her looks. Now let's stop for a moment. No one has ever fallen into this awful sin without taking the first look. That's the point that Bunyan is making here. I didn't want to look. I didn't want to come under her spell. Oh, what wisdom we find in the word of God. So when faithful would not look on her, she railed on me, he said, and I went my way. Now through the words of faithful, Bunyan reminds the Christian man of the dangers of lustful looks. Many Christian men are careless with the eye gate, not realizing the grave danger of lustful looks. Job understood the danger in his day and declared this, Job 31 and verse 1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a mate? Now understand what he's saying here. I've made a covenant with my eyes. If I don't look, I won't think on. See what he's doing? How wise that is? No wonder God looked down from heaven and said of this man that he eschews evil. He's made a covenant with his eyes. He is careful and how important that is. Then Christian said, did you meet with any other dangers as you came? Faithful said, well, when I came to the foot of the hill difficulty, I met a very old man. Who asked me where I was from and where I was going, I told him I was going to the celestial city. He told me I look like an honest man, again more flattery, and told me to be content to dwell in his house and he would give me wages. I asked him his name and where he lived. He told me his name was Adam the First. And he lived in the town of deceit. 
He told me my work would bring many delights. I asked him if he had other servants, and he named all three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. He offered me not only wages, but I could marry them if I so desired. But as he spake, I heard a voice in my head say, this is faithful talking to Christian, I heard a voice in my head say, put off the old man and his deeds. Then was burned into my mind the realization that if, if this old man got me to his house, he would bind me and sell me as a slave. When I turned to leave him, he uh, reviled me and took uh, and tried to turn me back. This made me cry, oh, wretched man that I am. And of course, he's quoting from Romans 7.24. Why did he say that? Because Faithful realized when, when he grabbed hold of me, there was a part of me that wanted to go with him. I, I considered it, but I could not go. But as I spoke, I heard, again, put off the old man. I cried, O wretched man that I am. So as I turned away, another man came up from behind me and struck me down. When I tried to get up, he struck me down again. Show mercy, I cried, but he said, I know not how to show mercy. He would have made an end of me. But one came by and made him cease. In other words, out of nowhere came a deliverer. But as Faithful was down, he related to Christian, I looked up and this one who had come to deliver me, I saw holes in his hands and in his side, and I perceived he was the Lord. Now, let me, let me just pause here and catch us up. And so... As Faithful is going along the narrow way, he comes to Adam the first. Now what the scripture teaches is that all of us are in the likeness of Adam the first because he is our great granddad. Uh, original sin started with Adam the first. And our great grandfather passed that sin on to each of us. That's why we're born in sin. In fact, every human ever born was born in sin except for one who did not have a human father, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so because of our being in the likeness of the first Adam, very much so, his flesh and his old nature we are tempted with the very same things that he was tempted with back in the garden. Do you remember what those were? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, Satan used that on Eve initially. The Bible says, and let's give a break to these ladies, okay? <laughs> it's easy to give Eve a hard time. The scripture in Genesis teaches us that she was totally caught off guard. She was totally deceived by this snake who's talking to her. Adam came along, sized everything up, and chose against God and with his wife. Two different things. Both sinned, 
But Adam bore the responsibility. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, what does that look like? I like to use three words, and this is in the discipleship material that we've written that we use with our new converts. Lust of the eyes, or I'm sorry, let's start with the lust of the flesh. That's appetite. Lust of the eyes, aesthetics. Pride of life, ambition. Appetite, aesthetics, ambition. Are those a temptation to us? Absolutely. So let's go back and and just listen in to what happened there in the garden. When Adam and Eve saw the fruit. What's that? Aesthetics. Had to be beautiful. And that it was good for food. What's that? Appetite. Tastes good. And desire to make one wise. If you eat of that, you're going to be just like God. Remember that lie? What's that? Ambition. We don't have to be these peons in this garden. (laughs) We can be like the creator. And so they partook. They found out it was all a lie. And what did it lead to? Adam died. Eve died. Okay. And so being like Adam the first, we're all his descendants. These are the things that our old nature gravitates to. And what does it lead to? When lust has a baby, it brings sin. And when sin is finished, it leads to death. Every time. The wages of sin is death. Okay. And so... Bunyan here, through these two as they're talking, gives us a theology lesson. Because when he turns to go away, uh, he, he, he's, he has to tear himself away because there's still something inside faithful that wants to go back. And, and, and realizing this, the struggle, that, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this death? And there's Christ. Who is, as Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, he is the later or the second Adam. Came in the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that are under the law. Now, who was this character that that when uh, faithful gets away from uh, Adam the first, comes and knocks him down and tries to take his life. Bunyan calls him Moses. And I'm, I'm going to change that a little bit uh, because he's referring to the law of Moses. I'm calling the second character of the law. Do you know the law never saved anybody? And that is why religion is as false and as fake as the lies that Satan tells. Well, if you, if you just keep the law, you can go to heaven. No, you can't. The law never saved anybody. What it did is it pointed to the fact that we're all law sinners and deserve judgment. And so Jesus came, and he's the only one that could deal with the law. He kept it perfectly. He did not come to annul it. He came to fulfill it. 
And as the perfect God-man, he went to the cross, satisfied not only the law through his life, but then satisfied the, uh, the judgment, the requirement, the justice of God by giving himself, becoming our sin, and paying for our sin debt. Uh, and my heart rejoiced tonight. What's the first hymn that we sang? We sang about the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And so Christian then realized who it was who was seeking to destroy his companion faithful. And he said, the attacker who overtook you was the law. He spares no one and shows no mercy for all are under his curse. So this conversation between Christian and faithful is no doubt drawn from the theology of Romans chapter 5. And I'd like to close by going there and then we'll be done. If you'll turn to Romans 5. You've heard me say this, but let me remind you, the theme of Romans, it's the theology of our salvation. Some preachers avoid the book and don't preach from it because it's, yeah, Peter said, you know, Paul talks about things that are hard. <laughs> uh, so one inspired writer is saying, Lord, I'm glad you left that up to Paul. <laughs> All right. The theology of our salvation. But in Romans 5, notice verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Who satisfied the law? Jesus did. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, let me just pause, and again, Bunyan, an old English preacher, was a theologian. He knew this. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So the original sin of Adam, the first, is passed on to each of us, causing us to have an old nature, qualifying us for eternal judgment. Yet through the saving work of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, we're delivered from sin, which means that now you and I can be delivered. We're, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. But right now, because of Christ, you and I are delivered from the power of sin. The power of sin. You don't have to give in to, I don't have to give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Well, how, how do I know that? Because you are indwelt by the Spirit of Christ who, by the way, overcame when he received the Holy Spirit. What's the very next thing that happened in the life of our Savior? Help me. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness for what? To be tempted. And through the Holy Spirit and quoting the Scripture, what did Jesus overcome? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What did Satan say to him? He hadn't eaten. Make these stones into bread. What's that? Appetite. Okay. To 
Took him to a pinnacle of the temple. Cast yourself down and let your angels catch you up. Let all these people see who you really are. What's that? Yeah, ambition, pride of life. And then set him on a, uh, took him into a high mountain so he could see all the kingdoms of earth. Wow. And by the way, those are literal kingdoms. And when you, those of you who traveled with us to Greece and Turkey, we got to see what those kingdoms look like. And who is behind all that construction and all the beauty, all the aesthetics? The most beautiful things in those cities were temples to pagan gods. Who's behind that? The same, the same fallen angel that was tempting Jesus. What is all that? Aesthetics. And Jesus quoted the scripture, yielded to the Spirit of God. And what did the devil do? He fled. Say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. Temptation is so strong. No, you don't understand. If you're saved, who lives inside you and the ability to overcome sin that you have through God? That's the way we need to think. And that's why in Romans, Paul says, therefore sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, you're under what? You're under grace. God's enablement. Jesus became our sin and death that we might have life and deliverance through him. And praise God, there's coming a day very soon where not only we will be delivered from the penalty of sin and right now the power of sin, but we'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. Hallelujah. But right now we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so pilgrims, Christian pilgrims in your journey, be faithful. Looking unto Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.